My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gate, but climbs over elsewhere, is a thief and a robber. But whoever enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice, as the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's driven out all his own, he walks ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. But they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers. Although Jesus used this figure of speech, the Pharisees did not realize what he was trying to tell them. So Jesus said again, Amen, amen, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. How was your Lent? Seems like a random question on this fourth Sunday of Easter. It's hard to believe that we gathered together on Ash Wednesday over two months ago, and now we're halfway through the Easter season. But think back to that Wednesday in February when we first gathered together to begin that that penitential season where we were called to renew ourselves in those timeless practices of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. How did those things go? Working with college students gives a unique vantage point of witnessing people's experiences of Lent because it's a time when they're on their own, no mom or dad is encouraging or forcing compliance. For some, they maybe only had a peripheral understanding of things. Now that they're around some peers who take their faith seriously or are making it their own, and they hear about the importance of entering into Lent maybe for the first time into this spiritual desert to, to prepare for that celebration of Easter, So they encounter different things that people are doing or trying to do to make this time more meaningful. And their experiences can go all over the place. From the kid talking at our Mardi Gras about how they're going to go to daily mass every day of Lent and then making a very public confession the next day on Ash Wednesday how they just had a cheeseburger for lunch. Where another student pointed out that not only did they break the obligation not to eat meat, but it didn't sound like they were fasting either, so that conversation got very animated very quickly. One year, this other guy who could be considered a carnivore, I don't think there was ever a meal or a snack that didn't include some meat of some kind, he decided he was going to abstain from meat all Lent, which he did 
to the point that he became anemic and needed an iron transplant or something or some sort of pill of something. (laughs) But my favorite was the student who had recently turned 21 and he announced that he was going to give up alcohol for Lent. A few weeks in, I told him how admirable it was, especially with him being Irish and St. Patrick's Day coming up. Oh, St. Patrick's Day doesn't count, he said with great certainty. I said, I didn't realize he had been a theologian all these years. He said, Father, it's St. Patrick's Day, come on. And when I assured him it wasn't a sin that this was something between him and God, I added, I'm sure the great saint who poured out his life to the people of Ireland to bring them the faith of Jesus Christ would appreciate that you're honoring him and his sacrifices by exempting yourself from this Lenten fast, which you chose. Who says Catholic guilt doesn't work anymore? I find these stories and anecdotes amusing because as much as we try to explain that Lent is not meant to be an endurance contest or a suffering Olympics, that these ancient practices of fasting and prayer and almsgiving are not meant to be a way of punishing ourselves or to make ourselves feel more guilty, especially when we do fail the things that we take on or we put off. Sometimes it can feel that way or it can turn into that. Sometimes the real meaning behind these things can get lost. This is why four weeks into Easter, with a little distance from it, it's a good time to to revisit Lent and ask ourselves how it went. Because the whole purpose of those spiritual practices is to simplify things and to evaluate the conditions of our hearts. Namely, how focused is our hearts on Jesus? And how distracted are they by the things of this world? The thing that triggered all this for me was that first reading from the Acts of the Apostles today. We've been hearing from this second chapter of Acts for three weeks now. And in this passage, it's Pentecost Sunday. So that's 50 days after Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And nine days after he has ascended into heaven. But, lest we forget, 53 days earlier, Peter was last heard saying about Jesus, I don't know the man, as he denied him during his passion. Lest we forget, 53 53 days earlier, 10 of the other apostles ran and hid, and Judas had committed suicide after betraying Jesus. So in a way, you could say all the apostles, maybe except for St. John, failed pretty terribly during their very first Lent. So we're in good company if we felt ours was less than ideal. But now, post-Easter, post-receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and with Judas having been replaced now, the 12 of them stand out in public before these crowds in Jerusalem. And Peter launches into one of the most passionate homilies ever preached. And the crowds went from laughing at them and dismissing them, saying they must be drunk, to when they hear Peter actually preaching and calling them out as he says, God has made both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. St. Luke describes the effect that these words had on them. He says, when they heard this, They were cut to the heart 
And they asked, what are we to do? And Peter tells them, repent and be baptized. And over 3,000 do so that day. They were cut to the heart. What are we to do? Repent and be baptized. We're hearing this reading not because we're, we're celebrating this Easter season by recounting some of our most significant moments in the early church history with a sense of triumphalism on our part. This reading is proclaimed so that we reflect on that reality, that, that cutting of the heart where we cut away the things of this world that keep distracting us from God, where we cut away the things that undermine our faith, where we cut away the things that diminish the eternal identity we received at our baptisms as God's very sons and daughters. We're reflecting on that because the apostles remind us how hard that is by their their very lives. That they failed not just in their first Lent, but throughout their lives and their missions as apostles. They had to learn the hard way. Jesus was perfect. They were not. Just because they had abandoned their nets and left behind the lives they knew before when they first followed Jesus, that didn't remove their humanity, that didn't instantly fix all their imperfections. They were still going to fail and fall, and they would still find that their lives were going to need to be one of ongoing conversion. And instead of beating themselves up over and over for still needing that, what did they do? They remembered all that Jesus had said and taught them. They recognized that he wasn't some taskmaster who was just evaluating their performance, waiting for them to fail. He wasn't some divinity that looked at human beings for their own amusement like the pagans thought. Nor was he this warrior king who was looking to conquer all the enemies of Israel like some of the Jewish people awaiting the Messiah had thought. He wasn't any of those things. He was, and he is, the Good Shepherd. Every year on this fourth Sunday of Easter, we hear from this 10th chapter of St. John's Gospel. And reading and listening to it can get kind of confusing because you hear Jesus talking about the sheep and the shepherd to what we just heard. I am the gate for the sheep. But we shouldn't overcomplicate things and let the word salad that sometimes St. John offers us distract us from the beauty of what Jesus is truly revealing here. Because Jesus is telling us he's all those things. Jesus is the Lamb of God, which is a baby sheep. So we're reminded how God himself stoops down and became one of us and one with us. Jesus is the shepherd because he's the one who leads us. Yes, even in this church that he has entrusted stewardship to some of his broken and smelly sheep, myself included. It's Jesus who is the shepherd. It's he who is the only one that ultimately matters. And Jesus is the gate because we find stability in an ever-turbulent world. We find protection from the evil one. And we find healing and forgiveness of our sins through him, with him, and in him. St. Peter 
continues to preach, telling us in that second reading to follow in Jesus' footsteps as he reminds us he committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he returned no insult. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But Peter, reflecting on his own ongoing struggles and his own ongoing failures and following that example, knows that his hope is from persevering as he proposes, by his wounds, you have been healed. For you had gone astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Peter learned that essential point even after having experienced being cut to the heart in the life of faith, in his following of Jesus, he would still struggle and fail. But the good shepherd, the guardian of our souls, was constantly looking for him and looking for him to return to him, which each and every one of us needs to remember this Lent, this Easter, every season of our lives. Lent was never meant to be about what we gave up or what we took on. As Fulton Sheen once said, we always make the fatal mistake of thinking that it is what we do that matters, when what really matters is what we let God do with us. So reflecting back on your Lent, thinking about this Easter, sitting here, this moment, what will you let God do with you? Do we feel cut to the heart where we feel that tension between where we are and where God calls us to be. Let God find you. Listen to him calling you to turn away from the voices and the things of this world. See him looking for you. Recognize that longing in your hearts for him, our good shepherd, to guard, guide, and direct us.